Hey, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. Glad you're here. Today's episode, we have Tim Lehman, CEO of Gibson Insurance on on the podcast today. And he's going to talk about really playing the long game from a leadership perspective. And we recorded this episode on just one of the first few days of sheltering in place or whatever we're calling it these days. But as you listen, you'll hear some of the timeless leadership lessons and principles that that really stand out. One of them in, specifically is the importance of community and how that invites vulnerability. And if there's anything that we all are craving right now, it's a sense of community. And I also want to use that as an opportunity to share with you that we are hosting a confident communication council that starts at the end of April. And I highly recommend you to take a look at that as an opportunity to really build this idea of confidence that comes from not just your communication, but from doing that in a small community. This is just a group of six or seven high achieving women that will come together and build communication skills. And as Tim talks about, when we invite vulnerability into a small group we can trust, everybody gets better. And I know we're all in a very uncertain time right now when confidence and and community and communication are more important than ever. And we're happy to make arrangements, whatever you need in terms of uh, payment plans, if that's important to you for your business. But we know that the topics are as relevant as ever. So I hope you'll take a look at that at wethrive.live slash events. And let's get on with the episode. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, Rebecca, it's great. How are you? Super good. Thanks for being on. You're you're one of the you're the third gentleman that we've had on the Badass Women's Council podcast. Well, I am uh, absolutely honored and uh, feel fortunate to be able to you know share some time with you and, awesome. and maybe get in Courtney Simkis's uh, in club here. <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a pretty the membership is pretty rigorous. We'll 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 consider it though. How's that? <laughs> I'll take a role as an intern or carrying equipment equipment bags or something. Yeah. So Courtney Simkis is your chief growth officer and has been a member of the Rise and Thrive experience. And it's been amazing. I'd love for you, let's just share that story. So when you hired Courtney, one of the first directives you gave as her leader was go find your people. I love that. Why was that important to you? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I think it's it. you can't figure all this stuff out on your own. Um, so getting the ideas from others out there and learning from them, um, but also to have like a safe place to go to, you know, totally undress and let it all out and be okay with it and know that people are still going to accept you no matter what. And when you get really, you know, get real, that's when the magic really happens. And that's when you can really get to the, the core of the issues you're having. And, and if I think I find out a lot of times it's, it's a, it's a me thing deep down inside of this business issue. And so being able to, to talk with other peers like that is so important. Um, and as much as, I mean, I love rapping about business with her and um, talking strategy and all that. Um, she needed to have her own place to go. And so, yeah, timing couldn't have been better with 
um, you putting this program together. Um, and she has gotten so much out of it uh, along the way. So I, I'm, I'm just thrilled that it all came together the way it did. Me too. Me too. That was one of the, the greatest conversations she and I had because we had known each other in kind of a, in a past life and it just reunited. And when I was telling her about this program, she said, I, I, I'm in, like, I think I'm in. And I said, well, that was a quick yes. And she said, no, really. She said, one of the first conversations Tim and I had, he, he basically gave me the directive to find my people. And I thought, man, I got to meet this guy. That's super cool. <laughs> well, well, it's probably a big letdown, but... but yeah. <laughs> But you know what? It it is a it's becoming more of a leadership characteristic that people embrace to have this sense of community. But I would say, you know, I've been in the business world for, you know, I don't know, three decades now. It's a fairly new concept over the past 10 years that people would use community building intentionally. Um, it's becoming more of a conversation, but there was a day when that wasn't even talked about. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it, when I got involved with um, YPO, Young Presidents Organization, um, and, and it, it still it took a few months to get our group really tight and really willing to share. And it always takes some brave soul to go deeper than anybody else did. And you're like, wow, okay. I, when I was afraid to share, I can definitely share. Um, and I and I find with with so much of that too. It um, again, so many things go back to my like personal life stuff and how it impacts. Uh, the business side of things. But to your point, the second thing I think, and I, I guess I didn't know how to articulate it, but Simon Sinek's that was the infinite game. And it's this abundance thing. And it's about, you know, do you really have competitors? No. You've got, you might have some worthy rivals that you can learn from, you can study, you can emulate. You don't have to emulate 100% of what they're doing either because some things may not fit or may not work. Um, you can all get better expand the pie and everybody can win, you know, not just a few people, not just a little bit. So this, this idea of winner take all um, versus we can all get better, I think is a, is a huge, um, you know, shift coming out there and people that miss it are going to be playing, as he says, finite games, you know, and there's a an end and then someday it's over versus that playing on an infinite level, all your decisions, long-term, long game. And you never lost, you never lose as long as you keep playing. As long as you don't quit the game, you haven't lost yet. You're just working on it still. So I think that fits right back into what you said about establishing community um, and not being threatened by, geez, what if one of your competitors in town maybe is even in one of your groups? Is that the worst thing in the world? I mean, most of us are in the nuclear science business. And so is, is what we're doing really that special or secretive? It's really about execution and doing it well. So um, those groups are just fantastic. And when they're done right and um, ran well and people get open and honest, they're, they're just magical. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I often tell the story because I'm all about stories. That's, that's one of the key tenets of, of <laughs> us here and my process for consulting and, and coaching. Well, I, I often tell the story when I was with the Franklin Covey organization, I was a badass salesperson. I sold $35 million. Like I did all the things, but what people will tell you that they remember me for is my willingness to be vulnerable and share my story. I can remember standing up in front of a sales team in California. They asked me to come in and share best practices about my results. But what they'll tell you they remember is the day I stood there and said, 
you know, we're all a little afraid, right? We're afraid this is the year that we get found out. This is the year that we can't pull it together. Like this is the year it all falls apart. And I remember this like hush silence across the room. And all of a sudden I realized I'd kind of just shared all my inner secrets. And but But to me, they weren't really secrets. And then I saw people just light up. All of a sudden, then the questions started to pour in. Really? You? You're afraid too? Okay, what do we do about that? And and that is the, the a key moment in my career that I will remember more than the box of glass awards that are now in my storage closet. <laughs> Rebecca, I can totally relate to that. Um, there are a lot of similarities that way. Um, I, I started as a sales jockey as well and ultimately realized how much I enjoyed the leadership um, side of things. Um, in 2015, um, I published a, a book um, called Our Evolution. And in that, I mean, it was, it was kind of a therapeutic thing for me. Um, and it was also a chance to capture some of our history at Gibson. And, and then I, for me, it was like a, the best accountability partner I could have because I, I, I basically out there in front of everybody and, and told them what they that they should expect me. And, and so it's there, it's in print. And every now and then I'll get some of our team that'll remind me of, uh, Hey, remember how you said you were going to you know do this a little better. And there, there's a page in the book for that. <laughs> but uh, I, I can remember before we final, final published it, you know, talking with my partners at Gibson and a few of them had some real concerns like, Oh my goodness, how can we possibly put this out there? I mean, you're going to think we're, you know, nuts and, and all the crazy stuff going on. And they're going to think less of us and might not want to work with us. And um, my, uh, my predecessor, Greg Downs, who's involved still in our board, um, was like, are you kidding me? He's like, I've, I've been around a little longer than a lot of you. And every single one of our clients has all the same crap going on. And they'll, I think they'll like us better. I think that they'll appreciate us more and, and be, by being authentic like that. And, and making it something we can share. And uh, so we went, we went forward with everything and uh, let out all the gory details out. <laughs> and, uh, he, he was right. He was right. It turned out that way. Well, it reminds me of the Domino story. Remember when they came out with a huge marketing campaign? I think it was a Super Bowl campaign and basically said, our pizza sucks. And there's a whole backstory where the, the VP of marketing and the CEO talk about what a huge risk that was for them. But to me, vulnerability and telling the real story is the most courageous move you can make. So to me, courage isn't about I climbed the mountain. It's about I was willing to tell you the truth. Um, And that connects us. That's because everybody has some story that they some struggle. And if we connect based on those things, that's that's authenticity and vulnerability and all the stuff that we ultimately want. Yeah, the the item um, that probably got them more. Been a, I'd been at Gibson a couple of years, became, came into the stockholder group, and um, I, being one of those sales jockeys like you, and, and you might have been better at this than me, but I, I was pretty good with math because, uh, you know, you got to count commissions and sales and all that. <laughs> but, um, I was not uh, an accounting pro by any means, and although, you know, Gibson supplied all of our valuation information, so I knew what I was getting into, I, I really didn't put much effort into it. I was just so happy to become uh, an owner in something. So <laughs> got in and realized that we were in really, really rough shape. So this was about um, 2007. So um, the recession hadn't even hit yet. Um, 
And I'd watched Jerry Maguire one too many times, I think. And uh, so I, I put a mission statement. I put a, I put a letter together to all my stockholder partners and uh, really called us out about 10 or 12 things. And uh, kind of dropped that bomb. And then my wife and I went to uh, New York City to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And I had talked to a lot of the stockholders beforehand. So I thought I had all this um, rousing support behind me. And I hit send on the BlackBerry before I hopped on the plane. We landed in New York. And I thought I would hear the cheers of the crowds, you know, to the conquering hero. And everybody's so thankful for all the things I pointed out. And it was absolute crickets. And um, about 30 minutes into this, my wife's like, are you going to get fired? I'm like, yeah, not, maybe. <laughs> I don't really know because this isn't what I thought. I thought we'd all agreed on the coup d'etat, you know? And, and uh, um, anyway, it, it created this whole bomb that kind of blew up internally. And we brought some outside um, professionals in to help us sort through all this and figure out succession and a whole number of things. And uh, again, I remember my you know, at least half the crap you wrote in there. But um, you're the only one who's ever really stood up to me and, and dropped it out there and put it out there. And so for that, um, I'm grateful. And it forced a lot of these issues up that we hadn't been dealing with. And we're going to deal with them now. And so um, that was that was one of the things book, actually, but it's kind of embarrassing too. <laughs> that first day or so is uh, very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> well, and that is the thing. There is some embarrassing moments in being authentic, right? It's it's standing, I call it the sea of uncertainty, right? That 30 minutes between landing and hearing nothing is that just standing in there waiting for what's the response going to be. And people want to talk about, you know, vulnerability and authenticity, like it's some airy fairy woo thing. But to me, it's the most gritty thing that you can possibly if you can be resilient enough to stand there in that 30 minutes of holy shit I might get fired <laughs> like that's the most courageous move of all like that's big because the other the alternative is what what the what they were saying is I was never vulnerable and authentic enough to say it and the fact that now you've said it now we've got to deal with it like that's that's important Hey, so um, as a fan of your podcast here, I want to, can I, can I turn the tables and ask you, um, what's a, what's, a, what's an embarrassing moment that you lived, uh, you lived through in, in your career? I fell down in front of a class I was teaching one time. Does that count? I mean, it's decent. That's a start. <laughs> you know, there's been so many, I, I have said, <laughs> I, honestly, and I think one of the things I'm most proud of is I, I'm okay with that now. I mean, early in my career, like you, I was more about connection and helping and serving. I wasn't a math genius. I wasn't a P&L genius, but I'd learned, right? I was running a P&L. I learned the business as much as I possibly could. But when I would walk into a CEO's office... What I was really thinking was, I'm a small town girl that grew up in a mobile home on an acre of land on my grandfather's farm, and what the hell am I doing here right now? <laughs> and, and that sense of just standing in that fear of what if they think I'm an idiot and, and pushing through it and just being curious about other people's business and, and connecting with them, ultimately, I got to the point where I realized that my small town girl roots growing up on a small farm with all boys was really a key advantage for me because I can speak 
now, after you know 30 years in business, I can kind of speak anybody's language. I can go in the boardroom and talk that stuff-ish, but I can also talk with the guys on the front line. But in the beginning, I said dumb stuff. I asked stupid questions. I saw them give me the look like, who does she think she is? Um, and I just push through it. I think that's, I can think of a million embarrassing questions that I asked to a CEO or to somebody in a meeting that <laughs> you get in your car and you're like, that's it. It's over. This is where it all ends because that was the dumbest thing I've ever said, <laughs> but it all worked out. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel the same way growing up in uh, Fort Wayne, um, Indiana, and then going to college at um, Indiana state and Terre Haute and yeah, just a lot of things. It wasn't purposely in a bubble. It's just what it was. And so when I, we, uh, my wife and I moved out to uh, Arizona a couple of years after college and uh, in Scottsdale and some of those early dinner parties with um, senior partners out there, just the, the number of times I put my foot in my mouth of all kinds of things that I, I just didn't know that that wasn't appropriate or that's not how other folks say that or here's questions you should ask or not or uh, whatever. And, uh, really appreciative though, during those years too, uh, some of the couples there in the office, uh, kind of took us under their wing and, and, uh, put us through a little bit of finishing school and uh, <laughs> we're so gracious about it too. And it actually sticks with me today. It's one of those things I try to think about or when I notice some of our younger folks, uh, pulling them aside, you know, and it's like, there'll be a time to be a complete individual. And at some point you'll circle back and you'll say all those things again that you said early on, but you'll do it purposefully. <laughs> and then in the meantime, you know, you got to be a little bit of a chameleon and um, integrate with everyone. And, um, and I, I will say this too, this uh, Indiana state's one of those things. It's a, uh, you know, it's where I, I met Courtney there. Um, we weren't great pals or anything, but um, had a lot of mutual friends would show up at some of the same um, parties and, um, we have, you know, we have Notre Dame grads and we've got grads from great schools that, that work at Gibson, but we have a ton of Sycamores. We have a lot of all state Cardinals and so on. But what I love about some of those places and schools is kind of like your story. If you, if you dig in a little bit, like Courtney, most of them grew up, um, you know, and, and it, it wasn't, maybe they had a bad life, but it wasn't easy or they were working hard, whether it was on the farm or mom or dad's business and they're just kind of grinders and they're, they're just as smart. Maybe on the surface, the, you know, the diploma doesn't stand out quite the same, but um, they're just real people. And I mean, Courtney's the epitome of, of that too. Of She's got all the um, savvy and everything. Uh, like you were talking about, can talk to board CEOs, you name it, but can, you know, roll up her shirt sleeves and, you know, get dirty and get up in it and get, get stuff done. And it's just, it's, it's a, uh, it's awesome having running partners, you know, like that. It is. I love that she did a podcast and talked about how curiosity really helped her um, shape her career. And, and she and I have bonded over that several times because when I was in those uncomfortable moments, standing in that space of a, of a, a client meeting, I always just leaned on my curiosity. You know, I, I, I was, I did not have the traditional education experience. I didn't go to college until later. And I was just curious about their businesses. And the more I was curious and asked about them, the more connection we could make. And, and oftentimes then I'd go, I'd go find a book or something that would teach me more about it. I know you're, you're a big reader and, as well. And, and now we've got podcasts and all kinds of ways that you can go get information if, if you didn't have the traditional education experience. And I think that's where we if we're curious enough about ourselves and others, um, it will 
it will go a long way in, in closing the gap in what we don't know in the moment. You're right. And people appreciate that anymore. I mean, um, some of those diplomas maybe get you a, an initial leg up or a foot in the door kind of thing, but all of it's what you do with it and where you take it and, and what you put into it. Um, and that goes for work too. I mean, you're doing what you're doing in um, Indianapolis, great place. Um, uh, I look at that and I, I spend most of my time working out of South Bend. I, I visit our office in Courtney and Indy, but um, so we're a small place compared to Indianapolis. But then again, your peers out there might, oh, ooh, Indianapolis. I mean, you're not in New York or San Francisco, um, Rebecca. How could, how could your pod, podcast be any good, you know? But that doesn't matter, right? Um, it's, you know, it's those relationships and asking the questions and everything. Yeah. And I love the mid-market city size. There's lots of opportunity in cities like Indianapolis to really elevate brands like Courtney, who is doing amazing things. So I love that ability to just in, in a few episodes and in, in like Rise and Thrive, that Stand Tall in Your Story event, all of a sudden, you know, Courtney says she's walking into rooms and, and people know her and about her story. And that lights me up. I love that. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. Um, I, I feel the same way, you know, from a client standpoint. Um, I haven't uh, been real directly involved with clients probably for four or five years, but I I just absolutely enjoyed that part of being in a in places like Indiana and Michigan and so on because you know get to sit across the table from the business owner, you know, the founder, or whatever, um, and just have real conversations with people and um, understand their business better real human beings facing all the same kind of issues, challenges, whatever. And those kind of relationships are just fantastic um, on that. Um, it is it is interesting though, and you'll appreciate this being, um, being a salesperson and our egos and so on that go with that. You know, you, you're the salesperson, you, you won the account, it's your account and, and all this. And when I go out and visit these clients, and it still happens today, you know, the, my, one of my partners who's, who's running it, it's their relationship. When I'm sitting down talking with these folks, though, they, they don't mention Tim. They don't mention Courtney. They don't mention Bob. They don't mention Art. They don't mention Liz. The people they tend to talk about, though, Rebecca, is our, like our safety people, and it's really cool. Um, uh, we have a engineering, safety engineering staff, six, seven um, people that were out on the front lines uh, working with our clients um, preemptively, proactively, um, so that hopefully, you know, I mean, being in the risk management business like we are, hopefully, hopefully they don't have the workers' comp injury to begin with. I mean, sure, we'll go get you some, you know, cheaper insurance. That's fine. But why don't we actually fix the problem? Um, and that's the cool if you're out there and you hear these um, CFOs, CEOs, HR directors talk about, well, you know, Hillary was out here last week or Shauna was out here last week or Gary was out here last week. And I mean, they become like the fabric of, of these clients of ours. They're, they're really almost like uh, they, they work there. And uh, so it's, it's a little bit, we got to check their egos at our door. But I love coming back and sending an email to those people and, and also copying the partner on it and saying, hey, the client couldn't say enough good things about you. Oh, they said hi, Bob. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that is where the real work happens. That's where you do start to contextually weave what you do in with what the client does. And it's so important that our 
a whole team knows the story of the client and the story of what you're trying to accomplish. And, and I will, I will tell you, this is, this is funny. When Courtney first said, Hey, I'm going to work for Gibson in, insurance. I was like, crickets. I was like, Courtney, big personality, vivacious out there, just, you know, just effervescent, if you will. And I'm thinking Courtney insurance, Courtney insurance. Like I couldn't make the connection. Right. And because I had never really been involved in your industry and knew much about it. And then you hear her start to tell the stories of the impact that you're having with these businesses, because you're able to look out into the future a little bit and, and forecast some things that you can do to help manage their business in a really meaningful way that gets down to the, the daily lives of the employees. And I was literally on the edge of my seat when they were just sitting out and coffee and I was like, this, this is the story, right? This is what people need to understand about your industry and about Gibson specifically is you're changing lives literally with the way that you're partnering with your clients. And, and I, that's not hyperbole or hype. Like those are real stories. I'd love for you to share uh, one or two of the stories of the ways that you've been able to do that with clients. Yeah. Um, and, and again, being a fan of your show, I've listened to Courtney's and she talked a lot about uh, from a healthcare standpoint. And so individual employee lives and so on. Um, I'll share maybe from a, a business standpoint. Um, one of our clients is a restaurant group. And um, a couple of years ago, we had some uh, bad tornadoes. And so their um, Kokomo store, a um, little town between South Bend and Indianapolis, um, got blasted. And um, they locally, uh, they, at the, at the store level, they had not uh, done a great job of some of the, um, keeping all the, the books updated, some of the financial, um, pieces and components. So they're, uh, filing what we call a business interruption claims that the restaurant shut down. And not only is it, um, costing them loads of money every single day, you got a ton of, uh, waiters, wait staff, GMs of the restaurant that, the restaurant's not open. There is no work. And you just think about all those families and the impact. And then in, you know, in smaller towns, a, a restaurant's kind of an important place. It's where everybody goes. It's where the kids want to go after the ball game and all that. So there's all kinds of little things that are impacted. And, you know, our job was to help <clears throat> get them up and running as fast as possible. So yes, we're an insurance agency, but um, some of our, our people like Courtney have these really interesting backgrounds. We've got some CPAs on staff. And so um, maybe it wasn't on the brochure when they bought from us of why to buy from us, but one of our um, CPAs that's an insurance professional now um, actually went through and did all the forensic accounting to rebuild all the books and the revenue to be able to prove the case to the insurance carrier. And, you know, we're on that stuff like, like dogs going after that for them and got their claim paid, got the check fast. So that's the second thing. Sometimes you can get the carrier to pay the claim, but if the money doesn't come quickly, it doesn't matter. Um, and we were able to take something that was an absolute disaster that started with a weather event that really was a internal operational issue with the, the accounting, the books, and, and get them back on their feet um, in a matter of days. And, you know, and so when I bump into their CEO, um, that's the first thing out of her mouth is, um, and, and it's interesting, she used to be the CFO, she's the CEO now, and I used to work on the account with her. And so we have a lot of CEO conversations now and she's like, Tim, 
Um, I just can't thank you enough. And she'd name our people and what they did and how we got back on our feet. But, but I know it's three levels down the, the waiter, the, uh, the person at the front desk, the kid that got to go have his favorite meal. Um, and that's the kind of stuff we're kind of behind the scenes, you know, in the insurance biz, but that's how it should be. But these are the kind of differences that, you know, that we make in individual lives. That, see, that, that's the kind of stuff that gives me chills. Like, that's humanity. Like you said, you're picturing, you know, the kid who wants to go to his favorite restaurant after the football game. You're picturing the, you know, the, the, the server who needs the job. Like, that's, that's the stuff of business. And I'm, I'm excited about the future because I feel this shift in business having more of a humanity uh, conversation. Because business is really about money that fuels our stories. I mean, if you really just boil it down to the basics, money is what fuels all of our stories. And that's a perfect example of being that kind of partner. And, and I would shift your language to say, it's not about you being behind the scenes. I really do see now working with Courtney closely that you're going up ahead, right? You're going up ahead of, of the business and saying, hey, here's what could be happening in the future. And we want to make sure you're prepared for it and that we're, we're going to partner with you to get you through whatever happens. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Well, you are, um, you know, um, able to see, see the future yourself because we are actually uh, working right now with uh, one of my um, YPO friends, uh, Tiffany Souter. She runs, uh, I think, the biggest marketing branding shop in Indiana, um, out of Indianapolis. They're called Element 3. And it's, you know, we kind of, yeah, we have that language I just used with you, and you're, you're on it. Um, she's, she and her team have told us the same thing. Like, you know, you're, you're providing this edge for people and their business, and you're giving them this sight line into the future and how things are going to work. And sure, you're there to pick up the pieces when things don't work out right. But uh, you, you all got to... Talk more about what you do and tell tell better. <laughs> I, I think a lot of our um, team coming out of that risk management um, world that's that's not who they naturally are. They're there to work hard and get things done. So um, it's it, it's great having actually somebody like Courtney who who can tell stories so well to get out there and and be on the front lines talking about us and articulating what it is we do and that difference um, that we make. So I, I appreciate that, and I'll, I'll let the marketing folks know that. You just intuitively know this stuff. Well, and it's Hoosier humility married with just tell the story. It doesn't mean we're bragging, right? Many of us were raised in these small town, you know, families where you didn't show up at the dinner table going, hey, guess what great thing I did today? <laughs> and so there's this, this great humility about the Midwest culture that sometimes it's hard for us to, to raise our hand and say, hey, I've got this great story about how we've, we've really done great work in our business. And, and that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's important for us to be able to get that message out. Because I think when I think of about insurance being courageous, those two words don't actually naturally come to my brain, right? And so it's up to y'all to tell that story that you are courageously going out front and making sure that businesses can stay operational through whatever storms literally or figuratively happen, right? It really is. We just had this uh, conversation in, internally a couple of weeks ago, um, and it goes back to all these relationships, it goes back to that early CEO group that I was in and one of my fellow CEOs. Um, we have one of our young people working on uh, his business. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we botched a few things up at um, open enrollment right around the, uh, the first of the year. 
and got them fixed and so on. As we dug into it, um, actually, you just talked about is uh, this younger person on my team. And, and with that, who's your idea of serving the client? Um, you know, I better not get too strong with them and tell them, well, um, the other CEO and I talked about this, um, and it's a coaching opportunity for my person. Actually, clients need you to be courageous. They need you to give them the tough stuff they don't want to hear. They need you to tell them that, no, that timeline you want to be on to make it really easy because whatever senior officer does his or her vacation, always at Thanksgiving, so we need to push back open enrollment to another date or whatever. That's not going to work. It's going to be bad for your people, and I'm not going to let you do it because that's not the best way to get the job done. And instead, we need to come up with a different solution. And so, yeah, that um, infusing courage into business and being uh, able to speak up and, and be strong. And I, I think that's, um, I think Courtney is somebody that's probably naturally, um, or, or she's learned it over over time, or a combination of both. But I think I think what you're doing and um, with with Rise and Thrive is adding a lot of that out there and help a little example or bigger ones like that, having the, having the guts to tell people what they need to hear and being okay with it. You know, I, I tell my friends a lot too, that um, I sometimes have to remind them, you know, I'm the friend that's going to tell you that you've got the booger in your nose and I'll try to stand in front of you while you, you know, fix it. So nobody sees it. I don't care. I have it too. And I, and I want you to tell me when I have it, but why would I let you go through life with that, you know, the booger hanging out of your nose. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, when you really learn and get down to it, that's, that's the best part. My wife and I learned that when we moved out to Scottsdale, you know, Arizona is such a melting pot. So um, uh, we'd never been around anybody except some Midwestern types. We're out there and people from New York and Philadelphia and, and even Chicago and so on moved into our same neighborhood, a bunch of younger couples. And I remember going out to dinner with one of them, uh, Jim and Noel, and he's uh, from Long Island. She's from Queens. And we're sitting there at dinner and uh, Noel's like, uh, and can I, it, is it okay to swear on this, this show? Yes. It's preferred, <laughs> I think, I don't know. And I'm only quoting here, so it's for effect. But uh, she said, that's a fucking ugly shirt. And I'm, I, I, my wife, I thought about spit her wine out and like, um, I didn't know whether to melt or what. And um, as we got to know them, though, um, I realized that I, I, told, I always would tell her about that day and I tell other people about that day. She just thought my shirt was ugly. It had nothing to do with how she felt about me. And we actually really appreciated those years that, that we lived out there and uh, rubbing shoulders with people like that. Just people I, that we weren't around growing up because... It's a whole new way of looking at, at things and that honesty that you would get. I mean, I always knew where I stood with Jim and Noel. Never questioned it. And I'd like to think, too, that over time, we wore off on them a little bit. You know, my, uh, my, my wife, because this is how we were taught to do the first couple of days in the neighborhood, she took a, a plate of cookies over uh, to Noel one night. And I remember her telling me, Noel looked at me like, again, a WTF moment. And are there razor blades in those? I was going to say, are you poisoning me? <laughs> And we followed that one up with uh, about two nights later, I think they realized, okay, we got these Midwestern weirdos. We have to be nice backs. So I, I think they came over. She came over with a bottle of wine. And it's really, really hot in Phoenix. It was the middle of the summer. And I'd gotten home from work before my wife. And um, as was my habit, I often – I was getting used to the climate. I stripped down to just, you know, underwear, basically. And I the doorbell rang. And I, I thought for sure it was Kim. And I go – I just opened up – 
the door in my underwear. So we followed up the cookies with razor blades. Two days later, I'm sitting in white boxer shorts and a white t-shirt. And again, this look of WTF on her face. <laughs> she hands me the bottle of wine and walks across the street. But we became uh, just great friends with them, still friends. We moved back here in New York City about the same time. But uh, <laughs> I love that. And, and, and you know, the, you know, that's a, that's the shirt thing makes me think that in the Midwest, what would have happened is we would have gone and told somebody else that your shirt was fucking ugly. We wouldn't have never told you that, right? We would have went and told two or right. three other people that you were an awful shirt. So I love the just honesty of being like, dude, no. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and, you know, you can tie that back to business. I can think of the best relationships that I have with, with business colleagues and clients is when I made a mistake and I just flat out would call them up and go, man, I screwed this up and here's how I'm going to fix it. And being able to, you know, it's, a, it's the same as just saying your shirt's ugly, right? It's, I screwed up. Here's how I'm going to fix it. Those relationships became stronger than the ones where you fake it till you make it. Yeah, that trust that you have in there, you know, fall on the sword, call it what it is. Just say, hey, I'm not going to get the project done this weekend because, um, you know what, I've been humping it hard last few weeks and I want to spend time with my kid or my spouse or whatever it is I want to do. I'm not going to get it done. Um, that uh, Tiffany Souter I mentioned, uh, she's on our board uh, at Gibson and we had a stay the stay the company, kind of our annual company meeting. And so she and I did a little fireside chat kind of like this, except live in front of everybody. And she talked about that as well. Like when she got more comfortable in her skin to be able to tell her team, she always felt like she had to be the one um, showing it, demonstrating, approving it. I think she realized she still had to be that. She needed to do it in a different way. So uh, her husband, a uh, great guy too. They both have big time careers. They got kids, they got all that stuff. And she had to get to that point as she told all of our team that, um, you know, I need to just be an example actually in a different way to my company that it's okay. And there's other people there to pick up the slack. Yeah. We're still going to come through for our clients. Um, and sometimes we need to call the clients and just tell them the same thing too, but it's okay to, you know, take a breath once in a while or do what you need to do, put your oxygen mask on first, whatever it is, you know, to get through. And it's so easy for me to go on an education rant and I'm not going to do it today because we don't have time. But when you spend the first 12 to 16 years of your life, not being honored by telling the, the truth and mistakes aren't honored and you got to raise your hand first and all the things that we do in our education system, we got to unwind a lot of that stuff to really be ourselves when we get to work. So I'm grateful for companies like you that are allowing people to show up and be there their authentic selves with all of their mistakes and, and grittiness. And, and that's okay. Well, you know, Rebecca, I was, um, probably was nice enough on the outside, but when I was in my early mid twenties, and I've always been a hard worker and a grinder. And so both from a age and gender standpoint, and I would look at some of my, uh, the older guys I work with in sales. And if I was 25, they might've been 45. And, you know, I'd, from Phoenix to Albuquerque and do go over there and call in a bunch of people. We were opening up the New Mexico market. And I mean, I'd get on a Southwest Airlines flight at six in the morning and I'd, I'd be damn proud of coming back on the eight o'clock flight. And they were running about every hour and I'd smash six meetings in there. Well, looking back on it, I mean, I was so burnt out with my family and everything. I, I can barely remember 
the first couple of years of my my second son. I, the first one, I I wasn't quite there yet. Um, and the second one, though, uh, my wife will tell me stories, and I'm like, I, I was in a just a haze at that point in time. But I would look at like disgust. If, what a list! That guy's going over there the night before, getting a hotel. He's only going to have four meetings. It's awful. And I get hotels the night before now, and I do those things. I realize like. One, your energy level is different. And, but two, though, like being fresh and doing all those things. And then also, like, um, they were smart. They were going over there because there's a great restaurant in Santa Fe they wanted to go to the night before, right? It's like, oh, yeah, now I get it. And, and I think I felt that way, too, about um, some of my female peers and colleagues, too. You know, maybe it would be when they're um, off on maternity leave. And I just think about the work that that was going to cause me and all that. And that, that's been the cool part at Gibson. Um, Got five of my partners are um, females. Um, we're all pretty similar in age, um, families, kids, whatever. And so, uh, really appreciating all the things that they go through uh, to show up every day, and and uh, it's it's amazing. Um, I mean, I I just let and I don't know if it's naturally wired into women, but there there's less selfishness, or maybe it's more communal or something that most males are not naturally wired to, and I have to try hard to not be that, to, to be that way. But there's just this, uh, I'm going to take care of the whole village um, type of thing. And man, I know when I get home at night, like I'm done then, I'm, I'm done. My battery runs out about 9.45 and that's it. And I, they're still going. And um, so great. Uh, it's been, it's just over the years, I've been um, Gibson since uh, 2005. And so just working alongside all these people, it's, it's, it's just like our friends in New York, you know, it, it just opens up your eyes to more and you see things from a totally different vantage point. I love that you said that. And it's okay that men and women are different. Like they should, we should be different, right? It's, it's acknowledging the complementary nature of that. One of the stats that really led me to take my business in the direction of high achieving women, because I love that idea of community and ripple ripple effect is when they, studied men and women executive leaders and asked them what motivated them to be in executive leadership. And there were like 10 different things. Um, For women, the idea of being a role model was like 47% of the driver. Whereas for men, it was only, it was less than 20, which isn't right or wrong. It just is. Yeah, that's interesting. the way that I look at it is when I pour into a high achieving woman, she can't help but share it. And so I feel like I've got this return on investment of my time that has this amazing network effect because they're going to take what they've learned from our group and really spread that love and, and learning around. And I dig that. Yeah. yeah Courtney's done such a great job with that. Um, being our chief growth officer, which has uh, kind of bigger picture um, sales vision kind of stuff with it, growth strategies, but it also has classic sales management, which you would appreciate too. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been the coach and uh, in the locker room for a long time. And at some point in time, it's good to have a change of coach period, no matter what their philosophies or styles are. But um, there's been so many times or just even this last year where I just have just run out of patience on some of those things. And, and I'm sure our people have run out of patience with me. And I would have handled it in a different way. So, hey, I, I got this. <laughs> like, okay. And and then I get I get feedback though from my partners back on this that some of these very same people that I've had my way of doing it with them and and they're not 
I'm going to say afraid. They're, they're, they're not unafraid of Courtney by any means. They're like, hey, 18 months later, you know, Courtney's been all over me on this. And like, we're, we're going to get this done on time, I promise. And so, but it's being done in a <laughs> much more supportive way. <laughs> and so it, it's good. It's good. That That's what just kind of getting everybody being and thriving, I think, is the language you use. But, you know, um, if you do this right, um, we can all be thriving. And you don't, it, it shouldn't, if it's, if it feels like a complete grind all the time, something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you're honoring each of their uniqueness all the way back to the restaurant story where you use that CPA um, experience in that role and, and not just seeing people in the box that they are in the org chart, but who are they as a unique individual. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Hey, I want you to come back with Courtney and I would love to facilitate that conversation about how you two are working together to complement each other in the fact that you're very different, but um, all aligned to, to drive the Gibson story. You, you up for, a, for a, a replay on the podcast? You can, you can have like two spots as, as the third male uh, guest wow. on the show. Wow. I, I kind of see that as um, it's kind of like Saturday Night Live. I was um, the first male to host multiple times with you or be a guest. So I like, I like that. Um, no, that would actually be a lot of fun. And maybe we should do it at uh, four o'clock someday and uh, toast a glass or something like that. And then between now and then, uh, she and I will talk a little bit and uh, see how much of uh, our dirty laundry we'll, we're willing to put out there together. So we've uh, we are we are really clicking, but we've had a uh, we had a, a couple of uh, times where we butted heads pretty bad, and but came out of it um, even better on the on the back end. So we'll we'll get yes. our yes to all of those things. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for doing what you're doing for your leadership for being a great supporter of mine in this venture that I'm on. It's just it's it's a pleasure to get to know you and your story. Thanks for being here. Yeah, and you as, you as well. Thank you, and good luck as you keep uh, taking this uh, show on the road to more places. I think it'll be great. Thanks so much. And I'm not coming down. Thanks so much for being here. And if you want more information about the Confident Communication Council, go to wethrive.live slash events. Gather more information and don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I'd love to chat with you about it. Thanks so much. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.